Hello, my friends. Joe here. Welcome. Uh, I'm so excited for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk uh, about the voice in our head. I'm going to actually play an interview that a friend of mine very graciously agreed to do with me regarding the story in her head. We're going to talk about a lot of things. What about parenting? What about motherhood? What does life look like when you move from the place where you grew up culturally to a different place culturally? And when we say culturally, I'm not talking about, you know, people. I'm talking about the ideology. Let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so the following interview was done with my friend Vanessa Ryersey. Uh, We went to college together. We were in some plays together. And we have stayed in touch off and on throughout the years. Honestly, Facebook is a great tool for that, staying in touch with people to just see how life is going. This interview came about because on Facebook, I asked a question uh, that I needed help. If if you had a answer to the question, how people have said, you are, what came next? And Vanessa uh, answered the question. And then we had a little bit of a conversation. I was like, so that right there would be a great thing for us to put into a podcast if you'd be willing to do it. And she said she would. And so here it is. I hope that you enjoy it. Oh, I lost it. Wait, say it again. Yeah, Vanessa Ryer, she's fine. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. We were college classmates, and you have very graciously agreed to do this interview for my podcast. Thank you very much, and welcome. We were just talking a minute ago about uh, kind of perception and how you view yourself, and you made the statement, it's kind of like catching mirror, catching glimpses of yourself. Would you mind expounding on that just for a minute? So, like, your your job, like, part of what you're trying to do as a as a human being, as a you know, a teenager, early adulthood, you know, before your, your brain is fully formed, you're trying to figure out who am I? And there's, it's so difficult to know because we're, we're created to be in community and social creatures. And so we, we kind of go by what people tell us. And so it's sort of like, you know, catching your, catching glimpses of yourself in these small bits of mirror. And they are, they're kind of giving you some indication of like, you know, oh, here are things you're good at. Oh, like, yeah, that's great. Or um, I, we really, you really seem to shine at this. This must be who you are. And so because you don't really know, you're absorbing all these messages and sort of conglomerating them into some image of like, oh, this must be who I am. It's um, almost like we borrow our self-view from what other people tell us our self-view right, should be. Right, right. Sure. Right. And especially, you know, especially the people that you are, are closest to or that you, you are put into relationships with. And so, you know, your parents, your siblings, um, you're a little kid, you go to school, what the teacher tells you. I mean, sure. so when I was, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I didn't, we, I, you know, grew up in this really country, you know, on a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. I didn't really see Meadville, right? Yeah. 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 Like out, outside of Meadville. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't remember going a lot of places and doing a lot of things as a small kid. And so I went to the doctor to have my, you know, kindergarten physical. And the doctor was like, oh, you're so tall. You're going to be the tallest kid in your class. And to me, I was like, oh, he's a doctor. He's an authority. He knows. And I remember getting to school in kindergarten and being devastated that I was not <laughs> the tallest kid in my class. And I, and I thought, what is going on? He said I would be. He's the doctor. Like, he must know. Right. 
right? So you just, you're sort of investing yourself in what all of these people say about you. So, you know, I'm, I'm growing up in school and, and, you know, I'm doing, I do a little art project and it, and I craft it around teaching. And so people, people will all tell me, oh, you should be a teacher. You're, you're meant to be a teacher. What they didn't realize is what I liked was the art. I liked the creating. I, I should have been, right. I, I wanted to be an artist, but I, right. I, they were telling me this. So you just, you get really invested in these messages that people tell you about, about who you are. Right. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. One of the things that I've often said is crazy to me is we expect 18 year olds to know so much about themselves that oh. they know what they want to do and they're going to dump $50,000, $100,000 into this Yeah. because the stories that like you just shared, like, well, the doctor said you're going to be the tallest person yeah. in your class. So you're going to be. Okay. The story yeah. in your head says, well, he knows. Yeah. And, oh, well, you like to create art. You should be a teacher. Well, maybe I just want to be an artist. Yeah. Nobody feeds themselves being an artist. You have to have a backup. Yes, that's right, for sure. And those stories that come in. Right, yeah. right. Uh, now, yeah. as an artist, one of the things that, like, I consider myself an artist with words. Like, I write. I don't draw. I don't paint. I have a daughter who paints. One of yeah. the things that I have had to really wrestle with is this idea of, am I really a writer? Does anybody really want to read what I have oh, to say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're, it's the who am I voice. Yes. Yep. Say something. Who am I to be a content creator? What do I have to say that's the least bit unique? Why would it ever matter? Um, and so it, it's a very, it's a, it's a really self-defeating tape that runs in our heads. Yeah. And what, I, what I have learned over the years is um, the people that are artists, the people that are writers, they do that. They, if you're an artist, you make art. If you're a writer, you write. It's, it's, if you do the work, you do the work. That's what right, makes you right. That's so, kind of the defining thing. Yes. Yeah. Do the work and you're the artist. Yes. But you have to really get over, you have to get over that. Like, who am I to do this? Who are you right. not? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and what you do there is you're, is you're changing that story in your head from who am I yes. to, well, why not you? Yes. Who are well, you not to do this? You know, so, so much of, so much of our work, as, as adults is figuring out how to exist with a balance of both what is happening inside of me is important and what, if, what is happening inside of you is important. And it's not that what's happening to you is more important. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna limit myself to make space for you and, and then vice versa. Like I can't all be about me. So right. we, have to, right. we have to be able to live in some sort of, some sort of harmony, but that can't be achieved if you're constantly shutting down to be something for somebody else. Right. Yeah. Kind of living out of the fullness of who you are. Yeah. You yeah. have to start I mean, with the battle in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've, I've thought a lot about a quote from uh, Glennon Doyle Melton that like, you don't have to set yourself on fire to keep everybody else warm. Right. You know? Right. 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 That's a good quote. I like that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, so, so let me ask you a question. You are a mom. You have four, four. children. Yeah. Four children. Uh, good deal. One looks like, like somebody cloned Rob. Uh -huh. uh, when I see the pictures on Facebook, I'm always like, "Oh, that's Rob." Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's not. It's it's uh, Charlie is not his name. Yeah, Calvin. Calvin. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we call right. him Vin. Okay. Yeah, Vin. Yeah. Okay. All right. How has I, I get this? Is kind of a two part question. 
what's the story in your head about who you are been like as a mom? Like, especially as you go through all the stages, right? Because I, I don't know about you, but I know how I parent my fourth child is so yeah. different than how we parented our first. Oh, so different. Yeah. Yeah. You had a, you had the similar experience, you know, the bonus kid. But like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because Willow is right around Joey's age, right? Yeah. She's six. Yeah. She's four. Four. Yeah. Okay. So she's a little bit younger than Joey. So we've got, we've got the 19 year old. Okay. A 15 year old and then a four year old. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you've got the, my wife wanted to name Joey. Oh shoot. Surprise and call him Oz. I told him you can't do that. That's not true. I always tell that joke and it was me who said that. We went with whimsy because we wanted people to know we were happy about it. (laughs) Right. That's nice. I like it. That's a cool name. And she's a cutie. Yeah. Yeah. So, So how is that? Like, what did you have to fight as a mom when you were starting out in the story in your head? And then when whimsy comes along, you're in an older place of life. Totally different. What's the story in your head then? Totally different. So I think as a new mom, you know, I had been brought up in a very patriarchal kind of situation where women didn't get jobs outside of their home. I didn't have a model to me at all. And so my, my real goal was to get married and have kids because that was what was modeled to me. Everybody that was close to me, that's what they did. I didn't know any women that had careers or you know, you, you got a degree, but that was just your backup. Um, right. It wasn't like it was $50,000 for a backup plan. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so, I, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> so I thought I would love mothering. I thought I would just, that that would just be so natural to me. And I would just be totally fulfilled by it. I would find it stimulating and it would use all of my faculties, all of my creativity, and that I would just, that I would just be great at it. And I would just know what to do all the time. Um, And that, and that I would like it. And I was very, you know, our first kid came along and we, and we were, you know, that we were in a good place, married for three years. We were ready for that. Our second kid came along. I was, um, let me think. Our first kid was 13 months old when I found out I was pregnant with Calvin. We had no insurance. We were in the middle of moving um, across states. And I was not ready to be pregnant again. I was not excited about it. I didn't know how it was going to work. I was terrified. Um, And we moved to a climate where it had more gray days than Seattle. And I didn't know that I had seasonal affective disorder. So I was depressed out of my mind. Sure, Um, when the kids were small and I, it was, you know, it was before the internet was really a big thing. So I, I was far away from family. Uh, we were pastoring a church where my, the closest person in age was 40 and I was 25. I was, I was lonely. I was depressed. Um, and I didn't know how to take care of myself. I knew how to take care of everybody else, but I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know what I needed. So sure. perception of myself, I just thought you're failing at this and you must be a you must be a bad Christian. You must not have enough faith. I have notebooks, you know, just loaded with, you know, God, please help me to be more thankful. Help me to be more grateful. Help me to, you know, I should just be something other. I I'm doing wrong. I am doing this wrong. Sure. And I, and I was, and I think Rob Rob was mystified too. Cause it was like, you know, we have the house, we have the two kids, the picket fence, like we're doing what we said we wanted to do. Why aren't you happy? And I didn't know why I wasn't happy. I had no idea. No idea whatsoever. And so I find with clients, when they're going through what you're talking about there, it's the double whammy of 
first of all, I'm supposed to enjoy all this and I'm not. Right. I'm supposed to be good at it and I don't feel like I'm good at it. And I can't have those negative feelings. Like there's another voice. Oh, definitely. It's like, who are you to have those negative voices? Like, like you can't talk negative to yourself. The self-judging is. Yeah. Is really, yeah. 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 And, and to change that voice is so much, it's inner work. It's just, uh-huh. <laughs> you've got to go into the scary places of your life where you typically just lock the door yes. and keep it hid. You know, it's like the bonus room in your house. Yes. Everything goes in there. It's really just a giant storage room. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So that's when you're first a mom. And, and yes. so you're wrestling with that. You're wrestling with, okay, don't feel like I'm good at this. I feel like I should have been. And you brought up an interesting component. You know, you talked about your culture and, uh, you know, a lot of my people who listen, will listen to this one when it, when it airs, they don't know a whole lot about our, my past. So they wouldn't know about yours, but we come from a very, uh, a, a society that a culture that has very well defined this is how you live life yes, yes. And, and even if it doesn't make sense and i've kind of I, I often joke with people that i'm so far off the page that i'm not even in the same book yeah right right yeah. and that can get a little little sketchy <laughs> yes yeah uh, yeah but, but, but how does that attack you as, you, yeah. as you're kind of stretching those wings what's your inner voice there well, those clearly defined boundaries, those, those got blown up when we got to our third kid because we adopted. Uh, so we became foster parents and then we adopted our, our third kid. And so this is a kid who, um, <laughs> this is the kid that blew up everything, that blew up all of those, those answers because those parameters were created for biological families, in a certain geographical location of a certain cultural makeup um, and the questions that she brought to our life were not being answered by right. by, the, by those situations so um, so I remember being with a group of 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 pastors and you know based on my experience with parenting this kid made a statement about what I thought should happen politically. Um, and it freaked them out. Sure. Because I was like, okay, well, there's all these kids in foster care. Um, I think that gay people ought to be able to get married because they're willing to foster some of these kids that are really difficult and they, they're in a position to give them a lot of love and care. So I think that they will get married. And at that point, you know, that was like 15 years ago. That was like, right. what? You know? Right, right, right. But that it was blowing up my perceptions of what I thought, you know, these kids needed her. She was raising questions that they, you know, people needed something else. And so that was forcing me to think about it differently. So she happens to be, you know, a a person of color. That means I have to start thinking about racial issues that I've never thought about before. I've never had to, you know, of course, all my kids are going to be treated the same. Oh, your kid is brown, so your kid is going to get treated differently. Oh, all of a sudden you have to start thinking about some of these things differently. Oh, where, you know, what's her, what's her cultural makeup? Oh, you know, you have to start thinking about um, immigrants. You have to start thinking about, if, you know, those political issues differently. So it, she really, she was the thread that I started to pull at and all of those boundaries, all of those neat answers began to fall apart for me. Sure. 
and I had to come up, I had to have new ways. I had to have new ways to think about myself, my identity, who I was, who, where I fit in the landscape sure. of the world. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I've noticed uh, with clients, with myself, with friends who grew up in the environment that we grew up in, uh, and I actually grew up not far from Meadville. We actually played uh, you guys in a state playoff game, the sheepskin warmups. I'll never forget them. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll just never forget that. I was warming up. I'm like, aren't those guys sweating? You know, <laughs> like, holy cow. Uh, I may have just really dated us. But one of the things that, that I've noticed with my friends who grew up in that very certain environment, and there's that one thread that they pull, and suddenly the whole ball comes undone. Oh, yeah. The voice in their head then shifts from uncertainty is dangerous to certainty is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And the temptation becomes, at least in the beginning, until balance is found. Yeah. Like, like the voice doesn't change, just what it's barking changes. <laughs> I'm curious, is that similar to your experience? Is that... Um, well, it's sort of like we, we say it. The way we the way we've described it is you trade one fundamentalism for another. Yes. Yeah, I say that all the time. Fighting fundamentals live on both sides. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. We loved it. I mean, we used to play a game. Um, so we live in this funky little artsy town, and it's like, okay, there's a girl with a long skirt, wearing her baby, long hair, and her hair is wrapped up. Is she a hippie or is she a fundamentalist? <laughs> <laughs> So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we play that game. So I get it. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, uh, you know, your, your mind is trying to keep you safe. Right. And so, you know, the, those, those tapes in your head, they really, they really are doing their best to protect you. And sure. so there really is this, there really is this thing where, you know, those voices for so long were, you know, don't, don't take drugs, don't drink, you know, stay away from the bad kids, make good choices, uh, be wise. Those were all voices that were trying to keep you safe. The, the, the snap, you know, the go to the other direction is, you know, don't let anybody control you. Uh, you know, they, they, people are just trying to take something from you. Uh, you're, you have to be your own person. So fight right. your way out. You know, everybody's the enemy. And in, in yeah. some ways, it's, I, it's, you're right. It is, it, it's two sides of the same thing. And so I've, I've begun to think a lot in terms of less about two lines going in opposite directions and more this infinity symbol of like somehow coming back to a, an evenness in the middle that like we live in community with other people and we live with ourselves. Right. And those yeah, what do you need to be in community? To be, they have to be in balance. Yes. They have to be okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's interesting because I left the culture that we grew up in in stages. Mm -hmm. oh, and yes. but I left the geographical area almost right after college. In fact I did right after college. And what I realized was when I would re-interact with those people, I changed who I was because that voice, even though it was quieter, I hadn't actually dealt with it uh -huh. and, and actually processed through it. 
yeah. And, yeah. and even down to just this year, I had a meeting with someone from that culture um, and some overtures were made for me to do some work with them and I turned them down and now he won't return my phone calls. He won't return my text messages. And literally in my heart, I felt that voice start to bark again. Yeah. You know, cause it's, it's absolutely the same thing. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the dog owl part of your brain, right? The lower part is your dog and it barks when there's danger and the owl, which is the wisdom part kind of flies away. And I could literally feel the owl's wings taken off. Yes. You can see there it is. I'm being rejected again. Oh, I'm being yeah. judged. Yeah. And that voice just starts to bark. Everything that I've built is false. It's fake. And you have to process that voice. And I really think, you know, for the people that I work with, my hope for the book that will be coming out is that people, they understand you really can control that voice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's okay. So I've had this experience a couple of times and I, and I'm kind of working through this right now. Um, so, um, you know, you post something on Facebook and somebody from your past or that from that world comes at you. And so what happens inside of you, right? Um, for me, I have a really intense shame response where sure. blood starts to pound in my ears, my hands are sweating, my heart is pounding, and I feel like I did something naughty. Sure. And I, and I, re I return to that, you know, that five-year-old who's been called into the principal's office. And I, you know, I, I'm so afraid. And so I had to, I've begun to start working with that, just observing that without judgment. Okay, what are you feeling? What does your body think is happening to you? You're you know, what are you, what are you afraid of? And I think, you know, I, what I'm learning is that I'm afraid that I'm going to be alone. I'm afraid I'm going to be cast out of relationship. Um, right. Well, and that's true. There are people that are going to reject me. Yes. Based on what I believe. And I think to, uh, it's too dangerous for them. And so they are going to reject me. I am going to be out of relationship with them. Does that mean I'm going to be out of relationship with people that I have good, you know, good contact with, am I going to lose my husband? Am I going to lose, you know, my kids or, you know, the friends that I have invested in, am I going to lose right. that? No, right. No. I, those things are secure. Right. Like, and so you, I have to keep kind of teaching myself like, right. It's okay. You're feeling fear, but you're not going to be alone. And you, and, and, and because we, you know, we're social creatures, we're meant to be in, 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 in community alone means you're going to die. You know, I can't make it right. on the island alone, you know? Right, right, yep, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I mean, you know, I, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the last one standing. So um, just going back through that and then to bringing in the faith component of like, no, God hasn't rejected you. Sure. You know, God's not afraid of the things that you say. God still loves you, that God is love and that you are safe. And, and, and you can never think up something bad enough that would make God stop loving you. Sure, you know? sure. So um, just kind of working through that, that voice and those, those, in some ways they're not, it's not even a voice. It's, it's a, you know, what's in, in your body, what's been given right. to you, processed into your guts, you know? Sure. Yeah. The voice gets so loud. It's like it's going through your blood. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just making you up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, you brought up an interesting point in that, just that section there. You're talking about there will be people that will reject you, but you made a really interesting statement to me that, that shows, a, a, I think, a really good level of empathy. 
which again is created in our head first and then flows through our system, it's going to be what I believe is going to be too dangerous for them. It's interesting to me as I watch that uh, play out because I tend to upset people on all sides of the aisle politically because I tend to think, well, there's constitution and then there's what I think is right and wrong and, and all sorts of things go sideways. And I feel, you talk about the alone thing, I feel like I'm alone because, well, who can I really tell what I feel like? I, I joke, if it's me and my wife and you and Rob, I'm good because yeah. there's four of us. Yeah. If it's me and my wife, you and Rob, and two people from your church, I'm still okay because it's six. You add one person to that and I'm done. I'm literally, <laughs> I'm either going to sit there and just observe and say something, a stress statement because there's so many people here and I've got to process it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And or, or, or I'll replay the conversation in my head for months. Yeah. Thinking, what did I say to them? Yeah. That they're going to find offensive. Yeah. And I remember the first time I ever thought, you know what? It's not that it was offensive. What I said scared them. Yes. And so they, which is kind of the same way of saying too dangerous for them. Yes. Yeah. And so suddenly, and that opened up all sorts of doors for me. Yeah. Like I can just kind of live in this tension and it's okay. Yes. And it's okay for them to be scared. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's, you know, we say, we say something and that triggers something inside of somebody else. We can't see what that is. We don't know what that is. They're, they're hearing something and it means, you know, it's this chain reaction that goes off in their head and it's terrifying. Yes. And so, yes. you know, so like just recently, I, I just learned about um, this idea of like transference and projection. Sure. I, A very I, big component so, of counseling. Right. Well, and I'd always heard of it in that context, right? So like, I always kind of picture like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. It's like, you know, what, like a, a single mom and she goes to her pastor who's a guy for counseling and she falls for him. Like that's true. Okay. Like, yeah, I can see it in that. I never really had thought about it in terms of like, anytime you take a leadership role, people start projecting onto you what they want, what, yes. they, what, they, what they are hoping for. And it's this yes. kind of unspoken urges and needs that they didn't have as kids or whatever. And they're looking to you like, are you the one? Are you going to give me, are you going to say the words and make me feel safe? And like, yes. you know, are you going to be that person? And we have no idea what that is. None. We, we have no idea what that is. Yeah. And so like, then they come to you and like, oh, I'm so disappointed in you. And you're like, I have, I, I don't know. I don't right. know what you're talking about. And right, so you, let me just make sure you're disappointed in me because you had expectations I didn't know about. Yes. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Now that I know those exist, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. That might just be, you know, their projection. That's okay. Right. I'm, right. I'm hook. It's no longer about me, you know? Right. Right. So it's no longer some deficit in what I did. It's no longer, you know, it's, it's not about how I failed them or I should have been more, I should have cared more. I should have been a better, you know, better pastor, a better Christian, a better mom, a better whatever. That's about their, that's about their idea of perfect care. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And it's so funny because you talk about, you know, how they project those uh, things onto you. One of the things that my wife joke about a lot as, as therapists, like I'm a relationship therapist, 85% of my caseload to to hundred percent sometimes is, is couples. Yeah. Well, people start deleting me on Facebook and I have no idea why. Yeah. And I think I must have put something up, but I'm like, all I put up was pictures of my kids. I mean, yeah. right. And it turns out, oh, well, their marriage is falling apart. 
And so they delete me. I had a roommate. I had a roommate from from college delete me. And I was like, what just happened? And I was like, okay, whatever. 18 months later, he re-adds me. And to his credit, he messaged me. And he's like, hey, I deleted you because my wife was leaving me. And, uh, you know, whatever it was that was running in his head. And one of the things that the story in our head does is it creates this narrative that other people's actions are all about us. Oh, yes. Oh, And you just (laughs) so illustrated that so often it really has nothing to do with us. We're just the canvas that it gets, that it gets painted on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do have a question. You brought up your faith and you brought up how the voice runs in your head about your faith. One of the things that, that I have found is I have friends, you know, even faith, when you talk about it, I have friends who, who would say, like, to be honest, when you brought it up, my first thought was, oh man, I hope they don't turn that off now. Because yeah. right, oh, because sure. the story in their head is faith is so dangerous. Yes. Faith so I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I know a little bit about the faith that you grew up in. Yeah. How did you? There. Ha, I'm gonna guess, and this is a guess. So if I'm wrong, this will be a very short question or very short answer. How did you work through the faith is dangerous to go from where you were in college, or at least? at least as far as an ecosystem to where you are now, which I don't really know. I've never been to the state you live in, but I, I mean, I do watch you and Rob from a distance. I read his book. I watched his campaign for congressman. The ecosystem that you're in now seems very different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and for almost everyone I know, there's been a, a transition of battling that thing in your head about faith is dangerous. Did you ever experience that? If so, how did you deal with it? Um, for me, uh, let's see. For me, my warmest, safest feelings as a child were in church. Okay. I had amazing, ama- like I had an amazing experiences of feeling um, community and uh, working together and just like real, I, like I have incredible feelings, like sitting in church and singing and being a part of something and belonging, that incredible sense of that these people will take care of me, that they're interested in my life, that um, they care what happens to me, um, that, 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 I, that I'm at home here. Uh, and, and it was interesting, you know, my church, when we started going when I was five, it was a little country church with like a hundred people. And over the course of the, t- of the time that I, until I graduated from high school, um, it was 800 people and had grown into like a pretty, you know, sitting on a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. Right. For Meadville, that's half the town, right? Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was really something. And um, of course that was the nineties and there, uh, there was, you know, lots of things at play, but I, to me, that was such a, I took that with me in my heart. That sure you could belong to something that was intergenerational, that it was um, lots of different kinds of families, um, that there could be love, that it, that, it was, that it was good to have people other than your parents that were looking out for you. Um, and so that part of my faith I've always retained. I've never okay. lost that sense that you, you need other people. Okay. You know, so um, the part where 
where people use religion to hurt other people. <laughs> yeah, that's painful. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, yeah, the part where they, um, okay, so you stop believing what we say you should believe, and so now you are outcast. You are no longer, we, right. we no longer welcome you. Where we literally had people say, don't send us your newsletter, we don't want to know how you're doing, and we hope that you don't make it. Oh, very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. Um, and so you were able to, in your head, kind of make a distinction between, okay, but this is good and this is bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have friends yeah. who, who can do that. And I have friends, I'm kind of, I'm, I have friends that are, you know, all over the spectrum, as I imagine you do too. But I mean, I have friends that are so far conservative. Yeah. Donald Trump's a little bit of a compromiser. And, and then I have friends who are so far left that President Obama is also a little bit of a compromiser. And they tend to meet in my presence, which yeah. is interesting. But yeah. I do, I have friends who are like, you know, how can you have faith? And I just had a conversation with a guy at the gym last week who we were talking about some of the atrocities in the world. And he's like, how can you have faith? And for me, I just, the story in my head is, I don't know how you don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it goes along <coughs> with direction too. Yep. I think it goes along with these tapes, right? That we, that we play in yeah. our heads like of who, you know, we, we have a projection about our, ourselves or we have this image that we're trying to craft of ourselves, but then we also have this image of, of God. And, and so often, you know, you know, God has all the same enemies as we do. <laughs> like, yes. You know, yes. And some indication that may not, maybe, maybe you're filtering this through yes. your own lens and it's, and it's perception. Um, Although it's bourbon not. is proof that God so wants us to be I happy. I think just knowing, just knowing that your faith is perception. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's like being able to like, just hover above and say, sure. okay, there's, there's, there's my idea, but my idea of what God is, isn't necessarily what's real. And what other people's idea of what God is, isn't necessarily what's real. There's only like what we can perceive with our, with whatever glasses we're wearing. And so we hold that it with some humility. And so live in that tension. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. when you, All yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so I think that leaves space for everybody. Right. Sure. Be able to like, I'm trying to work this out. I'm trying to understand it the best I can, you know, because I was born here. I understand God a certain way, but if I was born here, I would, I would perceive God completely differently. Sure. And those are totally valid perceptions. Okay. And just live in that tension. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much. Uh, you answered a question on Facebook and then that kind of evolved into this interview. Yeah. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's useful for you. Okay, so hopefully you enjoyed that interview. I really appreciate Vanessa taking the time to stop by, air quotes, and answer some questions. And I hope that you get a glimpse of, you know, I think one of the things that people struggle with is this idea that I'm alone in fighting the voice in my head. And I truly believe that everyone fights the voice in their head, uh, which is my hope with the book that will be coming out in, in an un, undetermined future date yet. But my hope with that book is that everyone will realize that we all have different battles that we fight in our head and they can be fought, they can be won. You're not equal to whatever it is your brain tells you you are. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends on social media. Give us a rating uh, in, in whatever player you use. I, I know you can do anything with your time and I appreciate you allowing me 
a little bit of time in your life sharing this time with me. And I hope that you find it useful. I hope that it's valuable for your life. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the contact me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.